Welcome to BitCast on Podcast One, the video game podcast with the Axeman. Welcome back to the BitCast. In the last few years, indie games have really taken off in popularity. I talked about Shovel Knight becoming a sort of indie mascot during one of my earlier episodes, and then I had that whole Undertale episode a little more recently. These games might not be AAA titles, but indie games are definitely leaving their mark. We're getting new ones all the time, and it seems to be a match made in heaven with the YouTube and Twitch gamer community. Let's players and streamers are getting their hands on these indie games as soon as they come out, and sharing them with their audiences, getting even more people into the games, sometimes at the request of certain parts of their audience. Undertale was like that, and before that, we had Five Nights at Freddy's. I think Cuphead might be going down that road, too. I'm not entirely sure. But today, I'm going to talk about... Well, you, you can read the title of the episode. You know what I'm talking about. Not to be confused with Doki Doki Panic, which is the original version of Super Mario Bros. 2 before they made it a Mario game. Doki Doki Literature Club, with an exclamation mark, is a visual novel created by Team Salvato, headed by Dan Salvato himself, It's a visual novel that's available on Steam. Visual novels are kind of a niche genre. Some would argue that they aren't even games at all. It's like the entire game is just a bunch of cutscenes and you have to read everything, hence visual novel. The most you can do is make a few choices, examine things. The Ace Attorney Phoenix Wright games are probably the most popular example of this genre in the West. A lot of visual novels are also known to be dating sims, where you're introduced to a wide cast of characters, well, well, maybe a handful, it's showing that I'm not very familiar with this genre, but you're introduced to a couple of characters, usually women, and you pick a favorite and you slowly try to romance them. Doki Doki tries to emulate that style of visual novel. In this case, you name your character, he's a schoolboy in Japan, his best friend talks him into joining the literature club at school because he has no life of his own, he meets and befriends all the women in the club, learns a thing or two about writing proper poems, they play up the anime-inspired tropes a lot, and they point out a few visual novel cliches, and it's all pretty cutesy. I've never played visual novels before or read them before, whatever, I'm, I'm gonna be on team video game for this, but I know a few things about how they tend to go, and this seemed to be pretty standard. So, with a vanilla game like this, how did it get so much attention? Well, you'll notice that Steam classifies it as a horror genre game, and that there are warnings when you start the game, warning you that the game isn't meant for the faint of heart. Don't play the game if you're easily disturbed or anxious. Seems a little incongruent with everything else, don't you think? Yeah, you might be thinking that. You might be thinking, oh, it's just a joke. The game's probably your bog-standard anime girl dating fun time. No. No, it's not. It is a horror game, and those warnings are there for a reason. Everything I've said up to this point is stuff that's very easy to see when you look at the game on Steam, or when you start the game for the first time, so I I don't think I've actually given anything away. But from here on out, I am going to talk about this game and my experiences with it, kind of recap things and my take on what happens. You're going to get the most out of this game if you play it blind. 
It's only three hours long, roughly, and it's free. So if you're if you're really interested in the game and you haven't played it yet, you can do that. You can come back and listen to this after you do so to get my opinion of everything, but just remember those warnings. Either way, here we go. As I said, the game starts out pretty much how I described. You start writing poems and you control which words the protagonist uses in his poems. Different words will appeal to different girls in the club, except for the club president, Monica. You do this for a few days and the girls will react accordingly. You can appeal the poems to your best friend, Sayori, who likes pleasant but also bittersweet words. You can appeal to the standoffish girl, Natsuki, with her appreciation of simple and also cute words. Or you can appeal to the quiet and polite Yuri, who likes sophisticated and dark words. And fun times are had by all, as the protagonist and maybe even the player kind of learn about the techniques that might go into writing a proper poem. There's also a school festival in a few days, and the club decides to read poetry for the event. But while you're preparing for that, you notice Sayori starts feeling a little strange. Normally she's pretty happy-go-lucky and a bit ditzy. She ended one of her poems with, I want breakfast. But she seems distracted. The weekend finally rolls around, and you talk to her, and the game drops its first bomb. Sayori suffers from depression. All this time she'd been hoping to make everyone feel happy, even though she struggles to get out of bed in the morning, and how she feels like all the happiness in her life is all selfishness. And that was pretty shocking. I was thinking, oh wow, that's a serious subject. It's cool that the game is going to try to cover that. I think I can work with this. This would be a very interesting idea. I knew that Doki Doki was a little darker than it advertised, but I didn't know what to expect. So when she told my character about her depression, I was thinking, oh, I guess the game's going to be about tackling mental health issues and stuff. Kinds of things that people are more openly admitting to suffering from these days. That's cool. I was very wrong. After the depression talk, the protagonist messes around a little more, trying to set up festival stuff, and then the big day is finally here. He goes to school alone, even though Sayori usually follows him, and Monika talks to you as if she knows everything you've been doing lately, which is kind of weird, and she sews you a poem that Sayori wrote, and it's her poem is just get out of my head over and over, uh, a little more than that, but that's basically it, and this worries the protagonist. So he runs out, books it to Sayori's house, breaks into her room, and here we go, the moment that defined the rest of the game. Ooh, sensitive stuff here. The protagonist and the player are greeted with the sight of Sayori after she'd taken her own life via hanging. The protagonist is heartbroken, and the game itself even seems to freak out a bit. The music gets weird, and then the game suddenly ends. If you try to reload a save file, it doesn't work. The game doesn't let you start over from your last save point. It just takes you back to the beginning. You're back on the title screen, but it's a little different now. Before, the title screen was this image of all four of the club girls together. But now Sayori is completely removed. She's turned into a mess of glitchy pixels. And that was when I knew what kind of game this was going to be. Doki Doki Literature Club took a few notes from Undertale 
in making a game that tried to tell a metafictional story, having there be much more to the game than meets the eye. So I went along with it. I started over from the beginning, but all of Sayori's scenes were glitched, and I was starting to get a little uncomfortable. The last scene before the reset really messed me up a bit, and all these new glitches were kind of creeping me out too. Even more, I was getting suspicious of that Monika character. She knew exactly what was going on before the end there, and Sayori hinted that Monika kind of fueled her depression. I was getting a little anxious, so I stopped playing the game. That was it. The end. Sorta. I decided to read about the game afterward, read a synopsis on Wikipedia, because... Even though I got scared and quit, and I'm big enough to admit that, I'm not ashamed, I'm still a curious guy. And honestly, from the description, I'm pretty glad that I didn't stick around. So here's a recap of the rest of the game. Everything repeats itself, but this time Sayori isn't there, and everything is glitchier. The characters and their dialogue will randomly look weird, Sayori is hastily edited out of the scenes, everything is all weird and glitchy, except Monika. Natsuki and Yuri are back, but they're a little different now. They had a bit of an argumentative streak last time, but now it's devolved into a downright feud, and Yuri is psychotic now. The game keeps glitching, and whenever you make choices, the game tries to railroad you into choices that favor Monika. And at some point, you find out that Yuri harms herself with a knife. But like Sayori's depression, the game just uses it for shock value. Eventually, she gives you a very unpleasant poem. Unpleasant in many ways I'd rather not describe. And then she stabs herself until she's dead. And the protagonist is stuck in the room with her body for the entire weekend, alone, together, with the aftermath of her stab fest. After a while, Monika shows up and somehow deletes her from the game and also deletes Natsuki and resets everything again. So, game starts again. This time it's just you, Monika, in an empty classroom together. No plot, no poems, no festival, just the two of you. No poetry, even. The protagonist might not even be there because Monika starts talking to the player directly. This is the kicker. It turns out, Monika knew she was in a video game the whole time. That's right. This is more of that fourth wall action. She knew that she was in a video game, and she knew that she was not one of the girls you could date in Doki Doki Literature Club. So she tampered with the character files of the other girls, making their mental health worse, making the world glitchier, so she'd look good in comparison and have you all to herself. That's actually pretty cool for a motivation. I've seen similar situations, but this is still a fresh take. From that point, Monika just rambles on and on endlessly. She acts like she's your girlfriend now. She actually gives you some good advice for people who might have friends who deal with depression. It's sound advice, but it makes her tampering with the other characters just a bit hypocritical. She goes on like, oh, they're not real, so they don't matter anyway, which is actually true. The Sayori and the rest, they're not real people. People do get attached to video game characters these days. Nothing unhealthy with that, unless they take it to a certain extent. But it's still kind of weird that this fake girl acts like she's the only one who matters when she's just as fake as the rest of them. 
The only way to get out of this date with Monika and advance is to go to the game's files and delete her yourself, just like she did to the other girls. And at that point, she kind of realizes, oh, I've been a big jerk, haven't I? And you'd be like, yeah, no duh. And after that, the game resets one last time. You get to the ending. Neither of the endings are really great. In the normal ending, Monika's gone, but the other girls are back, and Sayori's the president of the club now. But then she goes crazy, just like Monika did, and Monika has to delete her from beyond the grave or something like that. If you went out of your way to appease all the girls during the first string of days, unlocking mini-scenes with all of them, Sayori won't go crazy, instead accepting the situation and the game ends, and that's the good ending, compared to the standard ending. Either way, the world is deleted, but in the second version, the girls' files remain in the game's folder, so they can all be friends in the folder together. The end? So, it's a very interesting game, I'll admit. I've never been a fan of horror, never will be. And all the glitchiness and the dread that I started to feel... I'm I'm still glad that I didn't stick it out to the end, but... Reading about it and knowing what happened it scratched the itch, and I have, you know, a bit of an appreciation for what the game wanted to do. I couldn't go to bed after playing this, honestly. I didn't know what to expect from this game. The horror is more of the unsettling, uncomfortable variety, and that seems to be what Dan Salvato was going for. He admitted it in a Kotaku article, I think. The game twists the visual novel dating sim formula on its head, a lot like Metal Gear Solid 2 or Undertale or Spec Ops The Line did for their respective influences. But the thing is, everyone knew that Doki Doki was doing that. This game isn't subtle about the fact that there's more to it than you'd first expect. They're not marketing the game ironically as some kind of cutesy visual novel game with oops, there's horror, forgot to mention that. No, no, no. They're selling this, well, it's free, so it's not selling, but they're selling this as, yep, just a visual novel, nothing to see here, no siree, nothing strange at all, do-do-do. As much as I don't like to use it as the defining example, Undertale is probably one of this game's bigger influences. I couldn't say for sure, but it does follow a lot of that game's footprints, including the part where the game checks to see if you're playing it or streaming it for the audience or not. More cynical people might even go far as to call it YouTuber bait or streamer bait or something like that. Basically saying that this game is designed to have people play it for audiences and generate a lot of views on YouTube and Twitch and get the game even more popular. It can't really be for money since the game is free, so I guess it's for the art of it? Eh, okay, I mean, I, I can't really fault them for that since they're not even making a lot of money from this, if any at all. And, hey, wanting to get your product out there is not a bad thing at all. That's what everyone should want for their creation. I have a bit of a weird relationship with this game, overall. Yeah, I was too scared to finish, and I, I don't want to go back to it. I don't want to see it through to the end. I deleted it from my computer. One could say that that means the game did its job, and uh, I could agree with that. I still liked the characters when everything was normal, and the first set of days were some pretty wholesome fun. And that ties into my big personal gripe with the game, though. I think the game was a missed opportunity. 
Instead of frightening the player, I feel like it would have been more interesting if the game stayed down-to-earth and focused on dealing with the character's mental health problems and the obstacles and human moments that come from those. Sayori's depression, Yuri's cutting, those could have been very compelling character arcs, having the club members slowly learn to love themselves while luring in the players with the anime dating aesthetic, you know, teach them a thing about you know, mental health and stuff, or maybe have them relate to the mental health stuff, because, you know, a lot of players probably have similar issues. But instead, those issues are just set up for some gruesome, shocking death scenes. And after the shock and fear went away, I was just left disappointed. I'd heard of another visual novel game, I think it was called Katawa Shoujo, and to hear my friends talk about it, that's more the thing I was expecting Doki Doki to be. In fact, I'm a lot more interested to try that game now than I was before. I'd heard a lot of good things, despite the very off-putting premise. There's some creativity to Doki Doki, and I enjoyed the writer talk during the early parts of the game. I'm a bit of a writer myself in my free time. I mean, I script all these podcasts whenever I'm not doing it with a guest. I think I did lose some enjoyment since I'm not a seasoned visual novel player, but I appreciate what the game was trying to do. One of my friends who played the game made a point of saying that it was too blatant in poking holes at the genre, and I I can see that, knowing what I know about the genre. I didn't feel like it detracted too much from my experience, though. I'm still kind of a detached fan of this game. I like browsing and seeing what kind of art and jokes people make about Doki Doki when they're not reusing the same puns over and over. Seriously, we need to stop making hanging and stabbing puns. Overall, this game did get me to think, though, and I guess that's really something that helps. It'll keep the game in your mind, and you can always trace back that thought to, huh, Doki Doki made me think that. Not much to say in the way of music. I didn't pay a lot of attention to it, and honestly, I don't want to go back to listen to the game's music. It wasn't bad music, I just don't want to reassociate myself with it. I'll talk about a neat thing that the game did with its dynamic music, though. During the club meetings, a song would play in the background, and then whenever you're reading one of the other girl's poems, it'll transition to a different instrumentation of the same song, and the instruments will reflect the personality of the girl whose poem you're reading. That's a nice touch. Salvato and his team did something neat there. With that, I'm done talking about the game. Check it out if you want to see it for yourself. You can only get so much out of a summary, and I actually tried to leave a few surprises kept hidden. The game is free on Steam, and pretty short, like I said. Just remember, it's not a pleasant game, even if it starts that way. Thanks for listening to the BitCast this week. If you want to hear more, please subscribe and share it with your friends. You can also listen to it on iTunes. I'll see you on the next one. Listen to BitCast anytime on podcast1.com and on the Podcast One app.